This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Well, hello there. This is Butterfly Boucher on Kiss My Arts with Amy, the lovely Amy, on Joy 94.9. You're listening to the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9. Thanks again to World Wide Wave for another great show as usual. The time is two minutes past nine on your very warm, very balmy Monday evening, Melbourne. Hope you're out on your balcony with a glass in hand, enjoying this beautiful evening. And if you're not relaxing with your feet up if you're on your way home from work or to work or doing some work do not fear we are going to treat you to some gorgeous tunes over the next hour on kiss my arts on tonight's show we are featuring the music of talented melbourne band the tiger and me This six-piece weave a rare mixture of styles and sounds as three vocalists exchange and merge tunes from whispered ballads and charming pop to gypsy folk and dirty rock. Think of a music style and they've got it covered. Think of an instrument, they've got it covered. With each of the six members being multi-instrumentalists, with three of them writing song material, and with another three formally trained in music, you know you're in for something special. Their latest album was produced by the legendary Stephen Schram. The recording aims to capture a more raw, real and live sound, often with parts distorting or sounding more like they would on a live stage. And the result is superb, fresh and incredibly unique. I interviewed the band in the Joy Studios last week and will be sharing this interview with you tonight on the show. The Tiger and Me also treat us to a fantastic live acoustic performance of their latest single, complete with accordion and even with the Indian percussion instrument known as the tabla. So stay tuned for that later in the show. Let's check out one of the songs from this album. The album is called Drifter's Dawn and this is a catchy little track called Pantomime. You're on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. Hi, this is Rhonda Birchmore on my favourite radio station, Joy 94.9. You are indeed on Joy 94.9 on the Kiss My Arts show. Hope you're having a lovely Monday evening. The Tiger and Me are a six-piece band from Melbourne. They play just about every instrument you can think of. They have three vocalists who exchange and merge tunes from whispered ballads to charming pop to dirty rock. They have three songwriters in the band and they have four studio releases, two EPs and two albums. The Australian described them in the following way, and I quote... As fun as it all is, The Tiger and Me is a band of emotional breadth and it shifts effortlessly through the gears from brass-bright exuberance, ambivalent gypsyish energy and a delicate, to the point of delicious, somberness. 
They've pretty much got it all, and they're downright sexy too. I interviewed the band in the Joy Studios last week, and I'm excited to share their stories with you tonight on the show. So kick back, relax, top up that glass, and enjoy an hour of discovery. So, um, obviously, we're here this to talk talented about band. your album. Here's the interview. Congratulations, yes. oh, by the you. way. Thanks it's um, it's an yeah, it's an incredible album. I've had a couple of listens and. Um, fell in love pretty oh, much thank you. from the get-go. So let's delve into it straight away and um, talk a bit about the, the concept behind it. So it's the, it's sort of like the, the final chapter in a three-stage exploration of insanity, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that concept and how that all came about. Sure. It's the resolution of the three-part series. The first one was A Descent Into Madness, which was an EP yep. called The Howling Fire. Uh, the second one was uh, Struggling With That, uh, called The Silent City. That was another EP. We released both of those last year. Rather than do one album, we thought we'd break that across And they were EPs. released only a couple months apart, was yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd, uh, one came out mid-2011, and then the other one was late yeah. um, 2011. So busy 2011. It was busy, yeah. <laughs> so, we, well, we had an, um, enough material for an album and, and more. We had plenty of songs. That's one of the benefits of having three singer-songwriters in the band plus um, uh, the other guys all writers. Well, everyone writes. So we've got plenty of material, which is kind of a, a nice luxury. So was there a, um, a reasoning behind having the two EPs rather than just kind of putting it all on the one album? Was it actually that yeah, you wanted that progression? Exactly. We Rather than... Um, because we'd just done an album, uh, we thought it would, might be interesting to group like songs with like uh, instead of... W- across the 10 or 12 songs of an album where you can um there's a bit more freedom to uh have a few different moods start somewhere and then take it somewhere else and then bring it back somewhere else that sort of thing um which we really liked exploring on the first one and then and then our our new album we just wanted to try something different by grouping like with like putting all the up tunes on one release and then all the down all the uh, introspective tunes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on another release. It was kind of we viewed it kind of like a side A and a side B, okay. sort, sort of thing. So the album was it? Did it initially start out conceptually to be another EP, or did you kind of want that final one to be an extended exploration of um, the first two? We hadn't really decided either way. We just thought it would be it would be a third release, yep. a EP or album. It would depend on on the tunes, uh, and the tunes kind of dictated. An album. We had enough songs, and we had a, a, a um, we had a specific track order in mind going into the recording, and cutting that down to five or six songs, we think would have ruined the the order. We wanted to put them all on there, yeah. um, so we could have done a third EP and then left those tunes for another time. But we really they sounded like they all belonged together, so we thought we'd make it an album. Great. Now I believe the album. Is a, it aims to capture more of a live experience and um, is a, a little less sort of spit and polished in the studio, so to speak. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about where that concept came from and how that kind of eventuated. Well, the, the first two EPs um, were very uh, considered and, and, and put together um, in in terms of uh, arrangement and... and The first two EPs, um, yeah, as we spent a lot of time kind of overdubbing and massaging the songs into a certain specific kind of sound and shape and and style, and that was something that we wanted to experiment with those. Uh, But we kind of 
take a lot of pride in our live show and, and yeah. how we come across live and the energy that we bring to the show. So we didn't really feel that we'd captured that in a recording yet. So we wanted to really kind of focus on getting that energy across because some people had said that, you know, that the energy in the, all those EPs were good, the energy was different to what they experienced on stage. So in the studio with this producer, with Stephen Schramm, he, he generally works that way very live. We did a lot of mm. stuff live with everyone playing from start to finish in some of the tracks that was it like they only took one or two takes and then yeah so press. i've also read that that you literally did the the album kind of chronologically in a way so you'd record one song and just finish that one before moving on to the next is that yeah. true yeah and that was a, a great way to work like because you just get in the headspace of one particular of track yeah and you you fully flesh it out and get all the way through and we it was recorded chronologically from start to finish because as i had said before we had that order that uh, we thought really worked with the flow of the album and the idea of how the album went. And the producer was like, well, let's just start at the beginning and go to the end. Um, was that a little bit scary? or It was a, a bit scary, but I, it was really satisfying as well. You kind of, when you often record, you kind of chop and change so much, you don't really know how much you've got left to do or where you are, relatively speaking. Like it could be another two weeks work or it could be another I two days. I can look back on the, the final edits and think, oh, actually, that didn't really capture yeah, what we were yeah, after. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's great finishing finishing a, a tune and having a, a, a pretty decent rough mix. You know where that roughly where that tune's going to end up. Um, it's very... Uh, you've got a really good idea of, of, of how the album's coming together. You know, halfway through, when once we've done five or six tunes, we know what half of the album sounds like already. The, you know, the... It's unmixed and mastered, but the way Stephen works is it's not that far away from the from the final thing already. Stay tuned. We've got more from the Tiger and me right after this. Joy 94.9. Hi, this is Ruth Manuva, and you're listening to Joy 94.9. Ah, you've just been listening to the delicious sounds of Melbourne six-piece, the Tiger and me, and that was a track called A Want that you wouldn't and it's off their album a drifters drifters dawn i had the pleasure of interviewing the tiger and me last week and am sharing their wonderful stories with you tonight on the show in 2012 the band signed to abc music's imprint label 44 before collaborating with aria nominated producer stephen schramm to create their second full-length album the drifters dawn which we are featuring on tonight's show. The Tiger and Me's ascension to prominence commenced with the release of their critically acclaimed debut album called From a Liar to a Thief, which was in 2010, which in turn led to smashing live appearances at Port Ferry and Apollo Bay music festivals. In 2011, uh, left no rest for the wicked as they toured Australia, whilst also releasing two EPs of a planned three-part series. Before the break, we were talking about this band, the band's three-part exploration of insanity through their two EPs and finally culminating in their latest full-length album, The Drifter's Dawn. This album, as we've mentioned, is produced by ARIA nominee Stephen Schramm and it adopts a more raw and live approach. Let's hear more about what the band has to say about this. What what kind of um, reception have you had from that approach? 
in terms of reviews and um, you know the the response that you had from industry professionals or whatever? It's, it's funny. It, it comes up a lot. I don't think a lot of people work like that. No. Yeah. Because it is quite a different Yeah, approach. but I think it's um, a lot of people used to. I think that used to be a lot more well, It's a little common. bit more um, old-fashioned in a way. Yeah. It's a bit, a, bit, a bit of a vintage approach or yeah. whatever you want to call but it. But talking to Shrammy, he doesn't understand why everybody doesn't work like that. He just he could never go back to working the other way. He said it's he finds it so much better. And we, we loved it, especially as vocalists, we loved it because you, you've warmed up, you've just done a bunch of guide vocal takes or you've just been singing the song for three hours or, or half a day. And so then when you go to do vocal takes at the end, either you've already got the vocal take or you've just been singing the song a bunch of times, so you're in the right headspace, headspace. and frame of yeah. mind to, to do the vocal take. So, And normally vocals are done, like, right at the end, and you might end up spending the whole day, like, singing, like, you know, three or four different songs. and You've just got to change gear and change mood. And uh, and so you, you lose that kind of essence of the, absolutely, the song or yeah. the, the vibe, yeah. So we, yeah, we really liked it as, um, as vocalists. Sarah and Tim had a little bit more time on their hands. There was a lot of waiting around. <laughs> um, I brought books that I didn't read. I brought Tabla to practice that I didn't practice. You Which you actually have with you here today and this mm. is their first, their world's premiere for Tiger and Me, yes. I believe. Yep. They look pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're all looks actually. They don't actually make any sound. <laughs> just for the aesthetic. So where do did, where did these come in? Are these sort of a new addition to the group or? No, I just have been learning it privately for about two and a half years. And I must have told you guys at one point. Yeah, Maybe we got lots very of excited. points. Yeah. I, and they, do, they are actually on the album. Um, they're in... I remember how it came up, actually. Yeah. Because Stephen Tram was like, Sarah, can you play some bongos? And I was like, I don't know how to play bongos. But... And I tried to explain that just because I play drums doesn't mean that I know, like, the whole All percussion percussion, world, yeah. Which is, like, a common misconception. Maybe I should know more percussion. <laughs> so he gave me bongos and he was like, just play. So I played and it was the worst thing <laughs> I think I've ever heard from that whole session. Right. It was horrible. I don't remember And that. he didn't what? say anything after I recorded it. There was just this silence. What I don't song? remember that either. What song? I was made it to the harbour. Oh, okay. Yeah. He so did like, it end up on the... Well, no, because no, so no. The t- but the tabla did. Ah, the right. did. But yeah. before that, uh, Stephen was like, just play whatever on the bongos. So I thought I could do whatever. And it was like a stunned silence. Right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, maybe not that kind not of whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I said, I've got some tublers in the car. So I brought them to practice. Which, which you'd been secretly practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. In a dark closet somewhere yes. for years. Just and then ha- I got... Happened to have happened them. Happened to have them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Stephen just kind of showed me... Or I kind of just mucked around a little bit. And then he said, oh, you should keep that sound and... You know, don't play there and play there. And it actually came up quite well. I think he might have changed all my notes for the actual song because I don't think really? I could play. Well, it's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> he really did capture quite the live yeah, exactly. sound. <laughs> <laughs> so we've established that um, Drifter's Dawn is um, sort of a thematic progression from um, your previous two EPs through Insanity. How is it a musical progression? Have you changed in your style or how has it evolved over that time? It's mostly the focus on the live thing um, with yep. that uh, w- with the new album um, there's no there's no guest players on the new album, we always like getting guest players in for launches and for recordings on the on the second EP we've got um, we've got a little mini orchestra essentially, there's strings and brass and oboe 
Uh, but for this one, we thought we'd do it live and we do it. This is the band. This is how the band sounds live. This is the six this of us. This is us. This is us. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So the it wasn't so much a progression uh, musically. Perhaps any change musically would be there's a little bit more focus on guitar and a little bit less on piano. Uh, Fez drives a lot more of the tunes, whereas previously I'd be driving them on piano. Um I think a lot there's yeah Fez has got Fez is pretty busy in a lot of the tunes, um, <laughs> but that's a sort of a subtle difference. Mostly musically, it's it's the same kind of idea. It's just been captured in a different way. So let's just for a minute f- talk about what instruments you actually do have in the band and everyone's roles, sure. um, in case our listeners haven't heard you yep. and they're interested because you, you do um, if you jump onto YouTube and just or your website and have a look at some of your videos you use all kinds of different instruments and as we've established Sarah's got these crazy little tabla things here and we've, yep. Um, yep. we've got an accordion as well what other instruments do you make use of? We're all multi-instrumentalists um, we mostly um, uh, there's three lead singers and uh, for the most part I play piano Tobes plays piano, accordion, and Jane plays violin. Fez plays electric guitar. Sarah plays drums, and Tim plays bass. But every but having said that, there'll be two or three songs where Fez plays banjo or Jane plays ukulele. I play banjo on a couple or acoustic guitar. Tobes plays some acoustic. Uh, Sarah plays tabla. There's a tune on one, on our first album where Tim plays harmonica. So we kind of everyone is interested in um, playing other instruments and seeing what we can what what that can add to the to the band sound so there's sort of a default lineup but then, then there's then there's extras yeah, yeah for whatever the song sort of calls for really sure um, i think we're mostly interested in how much we can piss off the sound guy <laughs> <laughs> that's really fun it's normally it's like, oh my god how do i mic up an accordion yeah exactly yeah. Banjo. banjo i need 12 yeah. di's have you got 12 oh, yeah. no i've got one okay <laughs> Well, I've got five banjos. They're all in different tunings. So and you come in here to do your live performance and I've got three microphones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. We've got more from The Tiger and Me right after this. Joy 94.9. Hello, this is Double D from Sneaky Sound System and you're listening to Joy 94.9. You've been listening to the incredibly infectious sounds of Melbourne outfit The Tiger and Me, and that was a tune called Waltz Number no. 3. The band have just released a new album called The Drifter's Dawn, which is the final chapter in a three-part thematic exploration of insanity preceded by two EPs. The first single on the album, Pantomime, which we heard earlier in the show, is an infectious pop tune that swirls and dives on the edge of losing its mind. Waltz number three, which we've just taken a listen to, breaks the conventions of standard song form. You may have heard it comes in really abrupt at the beginning with a full band writer sing-along chorus separated by lead singers Aid, Jane and Tobias trading back-to-back verses as they beckon the listener to dance with me, liar. Capturing the raw energy of the Tiger and Me's live shows was one of producer Stephen Schramm's briefs for this album. This is no more evident than in the track The Prophet Told Me. This song was recorded completely live in one take and the rough mix off the desk is what you hear on the record. This is a band that weaves through many different styles and genres and continuously keeps us guessing. And here is what they have to say about that. Um, so um, there's been a lot of talk about you guys and how you kind of blur 
genre boundaries, and which is true. You listen to your music and you just think, you know, how would you put that into a box? Yeah. And I'm not about putting bands into boxes or anything like that. But do you see yourself some kind of stylistic or genre thread running through everything that you do? The, whenever we bring a new tune in, um, and it could be any, anyone in the band, and so so that it starts from potentially very, uh, very different sounding to each other. After we've played it and learned it, it always ends up sounding like the band, which I suppose is uh, just um, virtue of the players mm-hmm. and, and and the singers. Um, so we don't tend to think about it too much. It just kind of it it uh, we just learn the tune and and try and do what the song calls for, and then it ends up sounding like the Tiger and Me. So we don't try to push it in any specific genre. Um, and because there's six of us and we've got a, a wide variety of music tastes, a lot of what yeah. comes in is, is is there's some there's some country comes in and folk and rock and uh, lots of different things come in. But it, after it goes through the machine of our songwriting and jamming process, it ends up, there seems to be a through line that, that tends to just take care of itself. Sort of organically happens yeah, exactly. through the process of you coming together. Right, exactly. Well, speaking about the process of you coming together, do you have a way that you sort of typically work as a collaboration? Because there's six of you, and as you said, there's a lot of you are singer-songwriters. How yep. does that all work? Is there some kind of democratic voting process or in, in terms of getting a song together? Uh, typically, someone will start off the song, so they'll they'll get a fair way through it themselves and then bring it to everyone else and we'll start to try and, f- try and massage it with the the band as a whole and see what, what it needs or what it's missing. Like some of them come more composed as in the songwriter has a really clear idea in the head of the sound that they want and the kind of general idea of the song and sometimes it's really just the stem of an idea, like just a progression and a melody that ends up getting fleshed out by the other band and the by the other songwriters as well. So there's kind of a big spectrum in in how they work and how they're put together. Is there ever a situation where someone brings an idea and you just go oh no 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 it's not going to work or someone has a big reaction against it? Definitely been songs that have not made it through. Yeah there's (laughs) a lot uh, we bring it we've got a lot of a lot of material and we we had this conversation earlier that we are very comfortable with saying to each other that's not going to work. We don't like that, and that's not and not don't taking take it, it personally. personally. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's not an ego thing. It's just that song's not going to work, or yeah. I, it's or it's bad. <laughs> Aid and I were emailing each other a lot in the lyrics of writing this album because we kind of worked a bit on each other's things, and by the end it was just like line no line no <laughs> line yes yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of lyrics, um, I read somewhere that you're often inspired by novels and. Um, Literature, uh, is that true? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jared's going to answer. In this short, one. yes. But I'm throwing that over to Fez. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't write many of the lyrics. In fact, uh, for the first time on this record, I wrote some. Um, but I, I, when writing that song, I um, probably because I don't write them very often. I was sitting down there, I had the melody in my head, and I'm like, I need to make some words fit this. So I read a passage. Um, like they do on Speaks and Specs. Specs. Yeah, I, I was grabbed a um, Murakami book called Kafka on the Shore and sang the lines out of one of the chapters just from a, a random page. Um, and some of them stayed in there. And, and in the end, um, we rewrote the lyrics, like I rewrote some of the verses, and then Tobes um, rewrote the chorus parts that he sings. Um, and he actually wrote them inspired by parts of that story. 
Yeah, because it's one of my favourite books as well. And I use uh, just books in general a lot because I find it's like an interesting kind of resource of, of stories to draw from, like rather than just from personal experience or breakups or whatever. Like there's these great stories that can inspire kind of visualisations and thoughts. And well, speaking of that, um, a, there's, a, there's a quote <clears throat> that I found in an interview where you said you don't really do uh, autobiographical uh, I mean, life's pretty good. <laughs> right. I, I, I just feel like there's something pretty boring about middle-class white guys complaining. So I guess we try to avoid that in a way. We just can't really pull off the hardship thing. Right. Um, <laughs> Tell that us about that. Hearing that back. Yeah, I know. As <laughs> you say these things and they pop and up they again. Pop, yeah. I, I, after I said that, I thought some of my favourite albums are um, breakup albums, middle-class white guys <laughs> whinging about love. So... I just personally don't do that well. Um, you guys are just too happy. Well, um, <laughs> Tobes writes a killer breakup song. <laughs> I'm not that happy. <laughs> so hold on a second. It's married. <laughs> the descent into insanity is yeah. not autobiographical. It's, I mean, it's not part, for most of us. It's but part, some of us. For some of us, it depends on the band member. That's oh, pretty. For all. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't it's all musicians crazy? I did exactly. read an article not long ago where basically it said that if you're a creative person, chances are 95% of the time you're going to be insane. That, I yeah. agree. And that's uh, uh, can, too much contentment breeds uh, boring songwriting. Uh, so if things are going really well, that's why Pull why out we, a novel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, look, we... we we do both. We we songwrite autobiographically, and sometimes that um, breeds uh, uh, uplifting lyrics, and sometimes it doesn't, depending on what's going on. But a lot of the time, we don't. It's not. We we draw inspiration from from other sources. A lot of the time, I suppose is the is is what I was uh, trying to say. Um, um, speaking in, about collaborations and drawing inspiration from elsewhere, I believe you did a collaboration with an Afghani migrant. Yeah. Um, no, I'm probably going to pronounce his name incorrectly. Do you want to Mataza say? Jafari. Yeah. yeah. And that was part of a, um, a compilation pairing Aussie artists with refugee musicians. Yep. Uh, was that last year that you that did that? That was last year, yeah. Tell yeah. us a bit about, about that. It's called The Key of C, and that was this was volume two. Um, and we were asked, we were invited to be involved uh, early last year. Uh, and the concept is, is to write a song together. Um, so a... a Australian uh, musician or band um, collaborates with uh, with a, a refugee, with a um, uh, who's a, a musician living in Australia now, um, and we were paired with a guy called Mataza Jafari, who uh, is a Dambura player from Afghanistan. Um, he came to Australia, uh, in I think he it was two thousand and one um, on a boat. Uh, he's got an incredible story, and so we spent. When we met him, we spent uh, hours just talking with him and, and learning his story. Um, and then we wrote a song together and wrote and recorded uh, in the space of a day, um, oh, wow. which was a fantastic experience. It was, it was really challenging and it was really rewarding to come out on the other side with a song that we were we were really happy with. Um, and then yeah, we got to play in the in the in the launch concert in at Hamer Hall at the end of last year oh, with wow. Tim Rogers and and. Uh, some great acts so it was the whole thing was um it was just a fantastic project to be involved in musically it was really interesting 
Stay tuned. We've got more from the Tiger and Me. But first, right here on Monday nights on Joy 94.9, here, the Vixen Hour, Australia's only community radio program focused on sex work. Monday nights at 11 p.m. on Joy 94.9. This is the only radio program in the world that is entirely produced and presented by sex workers. Tune in to this week's program in the lead up to International Women's Day by focusing on the issue of sex work and motherhood. As well as featuring co-hosts who are both sex workers and mothers, the program will also ask, what's it like to grow up with a mum who is a sex worker? The Vixen Hour, Mondays from 11pm, only on Joy. Joy 94.9. Hey guys, this is Natalie Bassingthwaite and you're listening to Joy 94.9. You're on the Kiss My Art show on Joy 94.9. The time is a quarter to 10. 0427 Joy 949 is the number to text in on if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard in tonight's show. You've just been listening to the deliciously infectious sounds of Melbourne band The Tiger and Me with their track called Common Thief, which is off their latest album, The Drifter's Dawn. The Tiger and Me have been described as a folk band with gypsy and cabaret flavours. However, they offer something much more interesting than any one genre can bring. The big top energy of this Melbourne six-piece ignites with male and female lead vocalists surrounded by driving piano, lusty violin, upright bass, drums, banjo, guitar, ukulele, a chorus of voices and an accordion. Their live show is an event for the ears, for the soul, and for all those rampant feet out there looking for the ultimate place to whirl and stomp. So far on the show tonight, we've heard all about their music and their new album. Let's take a step back and find out how the band met, how they came together, and how they came up with the name The Tiger and Me. Let's just wind back a little bit to how you guys actually met and how the Tiger and Me started. Sure. Um, yeah. So um, Jane, who's not here today, and I started the band as a duo. We were a folk duo for, for, for about a year um, and we released an EP, which it was a bunch of demos. It was six songs and they were six different genres. We weren't really <laughs> sure what we wanted to be. There was an electronic song and there was a Because we've gym. made it so specific now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I suppose it was more obvious when there's just two, just of, two you. of you. Yeah. yeah. You don't um, have the excuse of, oh, well, everyone brings their own style exactly. or whatever. Right. Like, I actually just have 12 different styles. Yeah, right. So, um, and, but one of the tunes on the EP sounds like the band now. And so we sort of discovered what sort of band we wanted to be and we realised that we needed more players. Were you called the Tiger and Me at that we were, point? Yeah, yep. yep. Um, uh, and so quickly we added uh, we added bass and drums and, the, and we were living with Tobes and Jane and I bought a piano accordion to learn and Tobes was procrastinating for his exam <laughs> and taught himself the Amelie soundtrack on accordion <laughs> and then sat in on a rehearsal and, that, and it fit the style of music that we were writing perfectly. We also happened to be living with Fez. It was just based around who we were living wow. with. We were all living together. And so we were jamming and stuff. And it, and it came, uh, happened very naturally that we'd all start um, 
It's good that you didn't live together. with a bagpipe player or something. Yeah, that's it true. Would have been horrible. Yeah. And then we and we added bass and drums. We found we I like to think that we rescued Sarah from VCA <laughs> and a life of jazz. <laughs> so Sarah, you studied jazz yep. drumming at VCA. Yes. Yeah. I did the undergrad right. in improvisation. Okay. It was mainly jazz. Uh, Tobias, you said before that you were studying when you met these guys. Were you also studying music or were you studying something uh, else? No, I was studying product design engineering. Ah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Not really related. <laughs> uh, I never really wanted to study music at university because I was, I was always more interested in, in songwriting and I didn't want to create kind of this set framework. I used to learn classical piano, but mm-hmm. uh, when I'm finished school I stopped doing that and kind of focused on songwriting and I kind of uh yeah I didn't want to be nailed down to a very specific way of thinking what about you guys did you study music or yeah um yeah. we're sort of polar opposites Fez, Fez falls into the the Tobes camp I'm the um I'm probably the least musically educated here although I was just thinking about it then I, I think I've been playing guitar for 20 years now wow. um, yeah, by now I remember playing in front of my grade five class playing some Nirvana song that I just learned <laughs> four chords that it had <laughs> But um, yeah, I made a I made a decision probably when I was a teenager for similar reasons to Tobes to to not um, learn structured music. I suppose I regretted it at various points in my life. But um, it, you know, I wouldn't have sort of developed the way I play if I'd have done that. So no regrets. We're we're sort of half and half. Mm. Tobes, Fez, and Jane didn't study, and Sarah, Tim, and I, or did. Um, and, and various points in between. To, to, yeah, Tobes had piano lessons and that sort yeah. of thing. But Fez is fully self-taught. Yeah, um, wow. So, and were you, did, yeah. were you at VCA as well? No, I went to the con. Right. I'm doing a master's there now in composition. Where did the Tiger and Me come from as a, as a name? The name. Well, yeah. We did, when Jane and I started, we did a... We needed a name uh, very quickly for our first gig. And my mum suggested this word because it was in a song that she used to sing called Rufus Rastus Johnson Brown what you're going to do when the rain comes down I I can't remember how the rest of it goes but I remember the song I thought Rastus that's cool great Uh, so we played a gig and then I thought I better google this and I googled it and it turns out it's not a very well known but it is uh, it is it doesn't change the fact that it is an ethnic slur (laughs) <laughs> Jenny proves that Ed's mum might be a closet racist. <laughs> so, yeah, not good. So you actually went to this gig with this name? Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, and I don't normally actually say what the word was, but yeah, there you go. So that's out there. Um, so we did a gig uh, called Rastus, um, which doesn't really fit the band anyway. Uh, Are you doing Jamaican It's, it's exactly right. It sounds like, yeah, lots of people say it sounds like a reggae name. And so we ne- so we changed it quickly. And again, we had um, we had hours to come up with a new name. And uh, I was living with Jane and her housemate. I'd called her Tiger. We'd just started going out, and I called her Tiger. And her housemate said, "What about you call it the Tiger and me?" Uh, and we get, "Yeah, great, okay." And then it stuck. So it's the Tiger and me. So you are about to head out on a tour. Yes. Uh, in next month very uh, soon yeah which is actually only really a few days away yeah well we're sort of kicking off we've got a few melbourne shows this weekend but then the tour uh proper starts in mid-march where we head up to brisbane and we we're launching 
uh, a new single and we've got ticketed shows in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne and then we're playing a bunch of shows either side. We're playing in Byron and Brisbane Markets and um, a couple of shows in Sydney and then we're finishing in Melbourne at the Northcote Social Club in April so we're winding up the tour in our hometown, oh. in our home suburb. We actually, we recorded the album. We wrote the album in Northcote and we recorded at Sound Park Studios, which is in Northcote, and then Shrammy mixed it there, and so we're going to launch the single there, so it's all very... It seems very eight there as well on breaks mm. yes. in the session. Yeah, we ate. I had one lunch in North Fitzroy, just full disclosure. Oh, <laughs> Fez, yeah. we talked about this. It's all Northcote. <laughs> Total trader. <laughs> Do you all live in Northcote? No, you live in Coburg. I live in Coburg. Yeah. yeah. I live in Preston. The house where we all met or started playing together was in Northcote, though. Uh-huh. Basically, in the middle of those other three places, it's all very convenient. Mm. It's a place to be mm. on Northcote. Um, so, if people are interested to head along to any of these gigs, whether they're here in Melbourne or Byron Bay or Sydney, um, website. Website is probably the best thing. Um, all yeah, anything that you. Anything Tiger and Me anything related. Anything Tiger and Me. Uh, it's the Tiger and Me dot com dot au. Or there's a great app called Songkick, which is really good for staying on top of when bands are playing live. Yeah, there's tickets and, and everything through there, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, if you Google the Tiger and Me song kick, you'll find it. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of gigs, um, do you have any horror stories? Worst gig? Horror gig stories? Um, well, they've been erased from your memory. What was that show at Port Ferry that... Did we forget... Oh, I else. lost the cable. Yeah, I blocked that before. out. You blocked that out. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you might go into an episode. Bad yeah. memories. So yeah. you guys actually do have material for yeah. your lyrics. Yeah, yeah. life's and not just, all PG. It's, it's just <laughs> suppressed. Um, I broke my hand before a gig uh, in Canada at North by North North by North East. North, what is it? North by North East. Yeah. North by North East. Yeah, South by Southwest. North by North East. Um, in Toronto. Early, just after the band started, Jane and I went and played um, uh, some gigs in Canada, and we went. We had one. Our, our most important show of the tour was our last one in Toronto, and we went to see some bands in the afternoon, and it was a beautiful day. And then we went. We'd been inside for a few hours, and we came out, and it was hammering down rain, and I was wearing thongs or flip flops, as you have to call them in North in, America, yeah. uh, which I learned the hard way. Um, <laughs> And Jane said, don't fall over in thongs. I was like, Jane, I've been wearing thongs for years. Come on, give me a break. I know what I'm doing. And then proceeded to fall down the subway stairs and break my left hand, my guitar hand. I thought it was fine, uh, but we got to the gig that night and it was very swollen and I couldn't really move it very well. So I took a bunch of painkillers and I had a couple of glasses of red wine and I was and the adrenaline from nerves and everything and and made it through the show I couldn't feel my legs let alone my hand made it through the show we we played and it went fine and I yeah I thought that it was just a strained ligament or something and we were in Europe the following week and it was not getting any better I went to the doc and he said you've been walking around with a broken hand for two weeks you <laughs> not idiot not just walking around but playing, playing gigs, gigs yeah. I have so much more respect for you now oh, that's it's total, yeah. it's total crazy, rock star yeah, yeah go oh, you cool. you should have told Jane just to harden up when she broke her hand when she yeah. broke her wrist yeah. <laughs> take some painkillers and some vodka <laughs> push yeah, she's just broken her. She just broke her, her wrist. wrist. Yeah, rollerblading. She, roll, yeah, she was an extra in a film clip a couple of weeks ago, uh, roller skating, and Jane fell and broke her leg, her violin. Oh, 
So who's up next? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Seems to be a bit of a theme. Yeah. I've got anything else coming up in 2013 that you want to mention? Just lots of gigs. Um, We're working with a booking agent now who is booking us lots of shows, which is how we like to live. Um, Yeah. Just work hard. So um, I might get a haircut. This is good news. I I like to hear this. So again, um, Uh, website to keep on top of all that. We should probably also say... I don't know if there's a convenient lead into this, but we signed with ABC 44 um, early last year, which allowed us to make the the new album, and they've been a really fantastic label to work with. It's been an absolute pleasure discovering the music of The Tiger and Me. Hope you've made a great new musical discovery tonight too. If you're keen to check out more about the band, head to thetigerandme.com.au. Up next are the boys from The Cubby House taking you through till 11. I'm going to leave you with a song the band played live during our interview last week. It's called Made It to the Harbour and it's coming up right after this. Joy 94.9. Made it to the harbour I wait in the bar in the corner for the others I'm looking at her picture I can see what they mean She's the same as her brother That won't help her now He's a world away and he's stuck at the border He can't help you now I'm all that you got so you better come with me I thought when the dice were divided It's just one question Tell me, will you be wise? Will you be guided? That could save her now She's an hour away I will pay in the morning We can't stay in this town You're all that I've got So you better start running I've seen your face before Did you sell your soul for the sake of a cold ex-love? by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.